Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the newest episode of this Going Long podcast. I'm your host, Zach Neal. We have a packed show for you today. We've got the uh, Pac-12 title game, the Heisman race, a dominant defensive performance in Oregon's 31-7 win over Oregon State, uh, Jonathan Smith news, mention of Tosh Lapoy, college football playoff news, absolutely a ton to get into. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get into it. All right, let's just start with this game and just, um, you know, talk a little bit about what we saw. I think the most impressive thing that I saw in this game, again, a 31 to seven win for Oregon, um, beat Oregon State in the final rivalry game, uh, final Civil War game of Pac-12 play. You know, the last time these two teams will play as Pac-12 rivals. rivals. Um, the most impressive thing I think I saw throughout the entire game was Oregon's defense and in particular the defensive line. Uh, we knew going into this game that Oregon was going to really need to focus on slowing down Oregon State's rushing attack. Um, Oregon State averaged 192 rushing yards per game, which was 22nd in the nation. The Ducks held up to 53 rushing yards. Um, Damian Martinez, the sophomore running back, one of the best in the nation. He's a Doak Walker Award semifinalist. Um, definitely one of the best young runners in the nation. Oregon held him to a season-low 38 yards on the ground. So, um, I think I, I saw the stat that Oregon State's longest run of the day was six yards. Um, it was just absolutely incredible what the defensive line was able to do, stuffing the run and just containing and and taking on blocks and not playing one for ones and swarming the ball. And um, you know that's been one of the most impressive things I've seen from this defense this year is game in and game out. They are really good at game planning and finding what the opposing team does well on offense and being able to take that away. It's that's one of the things that made Bill Belichick such a good defensive coach in the NFL is he always made you play left-handed, which is something that Dan Lanning likes to say a lot this year. They are going to take your strength away from you and just do whatever they can to kind of make you uncomfortable and get you out of their game. That's really what they did last night. So, um, you know, once you take the running game away from Oregon state, DJ Uyungle, he's a, a solid quarterback. He struggles with accuracy at times. He's not, I mean, he's he's not Bo Nix. Um, he's not Michael Penix. He's not going to kill you with his arm. He can make the throws. He, he had a, a few nice throws in the game. But if you ask them to win that game through the air and just take away their running game completely, they're not going to be able to do it. So the fact that Oregon was able to just take Damian Martinez out of the game um, take Deshaun Fenwick out of the game and just have them not be factors at all. I think that's the the most impressive thing I saw during the night, and that's definitely the the main reason why they're able to win this game. This was also a really impressive day for Oregon's offense, and in particular Oregon's receivers. We're going to talk a little bit more about Bo Nix later, but um, just in general, I was super impressed with Oregon's receivers, Tez Johnson and Troy Franklin. Uh, Tez Johnson had 137 receiving yards, I think on, I believe he had 11 catches. Yeah, 11 catches, 137 yards, uh, 62 yards after the catch. He's so impressive when he gets the ball in his hands. I was talking to some of the other reporters last night after the game. The way that he gets the ball 
over the middle on a slant route and is able to just stick his foot in the ground and turn, rotate to the outside and just get upfield. Or if he's, you know, opposite going on an out route and he just st- gets the ball, sticks his foot in the ground, shifts inside and gets upfield. It's so impressive. He's so quick and shifty that um, I've, I've just been super impressed with what he's been able to do. And then it was another big game from Troy Franklin as well. I mean, he had, I think it was, yeah, nine catches for 128 yards and a touchdown. Um, he just, you know, another another incredible night for him, another record-breaking night for him. He officially became the um, leading receiving touchdown getter in Oregon history, passing a, a record that stood since I believe it was 1996, held by Kristen McLemore. Um, Josh Huff, Jeff Mail, Keenan Howry. Um, it was split with 24. All of them at 24, and he he now got to 25. Has a chance to put that record up a little bit further as now as well. So, um, a really good day for those players. Trayshawn Holden had a good night. Terrence Ferguson did a little bit in the game. Garrett Bryant did a little bit, but mainly Tez Johnson, Troy Franklin. They just had you know incredible games once again, which should not be surprising at this point. A couple of injuries to note, Um, Jaleel Florence and Gary Bryant were banged up during the game or or in front of or before the game in Florence's case. Um, Florence, Oregon's starting cornerback, he didn't ever suit up for this game. He was actually in street clothes on the sideline on crutches as well. So we talked to Dan Lanning after the game, asked for any sort of update. He kind of said that, you know, I don't know how soon he'll be back. So I wouldn't expect to see him in the Pac-12 championship game against Washington this week. I think that's too quick of a turnaround for him. I don't know what his injury is. Something lower body, though, if he's on crutches, obviously. Um, that doesn't mean that she, he wouldn't be available for a bowl game or a college football playoff game if they make it there. Gary Bryant, on the other hand, he he got a, a really hard tackle in the second half of this game where he was taken out on the sideline. Appeared to hurt his, I believe it was his right knee, right leg he got helped off the field and into the medical tent without putting any weight on that right leg at all so it looked pretty bad um but after spending some time in the medical tent he came out had his helmet on was standing with his teammates on the sideline dan uh said after the game that you know he expects he thought that bryant was saying he was able to to go back in the game if he needed to he thought he'd be okay so that's some pretty positive news right there i know that gary bryant his stats are not um, you know, as as notable as Troy Franklin's or Tez Johnson's, but he's a really important player for this team. He's one of the highest snap getters of all the receivers on this team, so they really like him out there and what he does. Um, so having him healthy going into this Washington game would be very important. Um, we'll we'll continue to watch his progress throughout the week and see if he's able to get out there and play. But there seems to be some relatively good news on that front. Other than those two, there's not really too many notable players that are. You know, everyone's dinged up right now, but not many players that are injured and I think out um, going into this Washington game. Evan Williams has a a massive club on his hand. He hurt his wrist in the Arizona State game, but he was able to play. He had a really good game. Um, Other than that, they seem to be relatively healthy going into this Pac-12 championship game. So we'll continue to watch that through the week, but I think that right now fans should feel pretty good about where that stands. All right, I think that we need to have a a quick conversation about Camden Lewis. Um, I know we've talked about this subject several times this year. It's not really a fun subject to talk about because, you know, once you cover this team, once you cover any team and you kind of get to some time to spend around the players and you get to know these players, 
it's not fun to criticize them or or kind of talk about them when they're not performing up to par. But um, that's been the case for Camden so far. He's um, he's really struggled. I I know I've been very vocal and upfront about it. he's one of my favorite players on this team. I've had a chance to spend time with him outside of football. I've golfed with him and um, he's just one of the best kids on this team. And this was supposed to be such a special night for him because, you know, last week he breaks the Oregon all-time scoring record down at Arizona state passes Royce Freeman and, and gets his name in the record books for most points in Oregon history. He was supposed to come home this week on senior night and just get recognized for that and have this celebration and be able to leave Austin on a high note. Then he had another another tough game. He missed a 34-yard field goal, um, which was his, you know, he's missed six of his last 10 kicks, dating back to that Washington game where he missed the one that would potentially have put it into overtime. Um, you know, right. I don't think it was right after the missed field goal, but later in the game, he kicked a, a kickoff out of bounds, which was his sixth of the year, which is tied for the most in the nation. So, um, those are just two things that you really cannot have happen. Um, especially if you're a team that's playing as well as Oregon right now and in a spot that they could be in going forward. So, you know, it's, it's so important to, to be able to rely on your kicker, not only to just be like, I mean, you don't, you don't, you're not asking him to go out there and hit 45, 50 yarders every week and, and win you games, but you just don't want him to hurt you. And, you know, if, if you don't have a kicker that can continually hit 34 yard field goals when you need him to, or can just keep the ball in bounds on kickoffs and, and not give them the ball at the 40 yard line because of a penalty, um, it gets tough in these these issues for the Ducks and for the special teams in their kicking game. Those are only going to get magnified going forward. Um, you know, it it hasn't hurt them so far outside of that Washington game, obviously where it gave them their their only loss of the year. But that 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 was not on Camden. We said that right after uh, Dan Lanning said it right after that. You know, there's a million reasons why they lost that game, and it wasn't just because of Camden's missed field goal. But you know. I feel that Oregon fans, they're unfortunately used to this. They know what this feeling is like where you're kind of holding your breath when the field goal kicker takes the field because you don't feel completely confident that he's going to get the job done. And unfortunately, that's what this has kind of turned out to be with Camden. Um, I'm still holding out hope that he's going to turn things around and he's going to get out of the slump and figure out something. But um, I don't know at this point. I've seen a lot of fans wondering, you know, why why is he still playing? Why have not they not brought you know, Grant Medor's in the the five star freshman, obviously because he's uh, probably not ready. I mean, Dan Lanning does not strike me as a person who would keep someone on the field uh, when they have a better option somewhere else. You know, he's not someone that's going to try and save a relationship just because, um, you know, just because of of emotions. I guess I would say he's going to put the best product on the field no matter what. I think he's shown that during his two years at Oregon. So if they had another option, I think they'd go with it. But right now, Camden is what they're going with. Um, you know, I don't expect them to make a change this week. We'll see. We'll probably talk to Dan about it on Monday. Um, but, you know, I, I think you just got to cross your fingers at this point and hope it gets a little bit better. Because other than that, I don't think that you really have any other options. All right, let's talk about the Heisman race. Um, Bo, like I said earlier, he had a, a really good day. He finished with 367 yards. Uh, three total touchdowns. I think he had, let me check real quick. He also had 31 rushing yards. So, um, 
almost 400 total yards, three total touchdowns, 82% completion. He made some just incredible, incredible throws. Um, if you're listening to this, you probably already saw the the rollouts of the right cross-body throw, the 41-yard touchdown to Troy Franklin right before the half. That was one of the most impressive throws he's had in an Oregon jersey. Um, just real high-level arm power stuff um, that you really you see at the NFL level. You don't always see at the college level. So, you know, where he stands now, Nix is the the favorite in the, the betting odds, just slightly above Jaden Daniels. But I think that those odds have not updated it. Right now, I, I should say I'm recording this about 1.30 p.m. on Saturday. Jaden Daniels just finished his game with LSU. Those odds I don't think have updated um, since before that game because Daniels had another really good game with the Tigers. He um, had four touchdowns and a win. I saw that there was a stat that, Four other quarterbacks other than Daniels have had seasons with 50 total touchdowns, which is what Daniels now has. Um, They've had 50 total touchdowns in a season, and all four of those quarterbacks went on to win the Heisman. So, um, you know, I'm not going to lie. I'm I'm a little bit nervous about this. And I know that the in reality, the Heisman Trophy doesn't matter when you have other things to play for, like a spot in the college football playoff or a, a national championship. But the Heisman does matter to fans and it matters in history and it matters in recruiting and all of this stuff. Um, and it's just a great thing for Nick's to be able to get if you were to get there. But um, I'm getting a little bit nervous about whether it's going to be Nick's or Daniels. Um, you know, I feel like there's been kind of a ton of propaganda over the past few days. You definitely saw it today after LSU's game that a lot of sports Notable sports media figures were kind of coming out of the woodworks on social media, proclaiming that Daniels is one of the best players they've ever seen and that he deserves the Heisman. Um, all this stuff that you don't, you haven't really seen for Bo. Um, you know, you, you can sometimes chalk that up to the SEC bias. There's definitely just, you know, it's that's just how it is in college football. People like the SEC more. They like the SEC more than the Pac 12. They like LSU more than Oregon. Um, Oregon fans will definitely proclaim that, but I think there's a little bit of truth to that too. So, um, you know, LSU is eight and three right now. They are not going to be playing next week because they did not make their conference championship game. Bo is 11 and one, and he will be playing in the Pac 12 title game next week. Um, and he'll have a chance to add to his stats. So we'll see how this, how these betting odds kind of shake out over the next few days. Obviously, it'll be really important what they look like after next week, um, after next week's game on Friday, because Daniel's stats are they're locked in stone right now. He can't improve those stats at all. And Nix is going to have one last opportunity to wow these Heisman voters on Friday night. No other games going on. Winner of that game between Oregon and Washington likely goes to the college football playoff. And I think that winner of that game should probably win the Heisman as well. Um, I don't know, but we'll see what Michael Penix is able to do today. He's kind of fallen into a, a further third place in that Heisman race behind Nicks and Daniels. If he has a huge day today, though, he could get right back in that race, and that game could be for the Heisman as well. So real quick before we get to Washington and, and kind of look ahead to that Pac-12 title game next week, I want to talk about um, Jonathan Smith. I think it's worth just noting a little bit about him, about that news. Um, it officially came out on Saturday morning that he that the Oregon State head coach accepted the head coaching job for Michigan State. Um, this has kind of been rumored for you know a few days, a week at most. 
um, that he was one of the top candidates. It really started to leak uh, actually less than an hour before kickoff on Friday night that, you know, he was the top candidate and it was really progressing quickly and could happen before the end of the weekend. Obviously it happened. What? 12 hours later, maybe 16, 18 hours later after that report came out. So um, really, really great hire for Michigan state. Um, I think Smith is an outstanding coach. I think what he did at Oregon state and turning them around, getting them bowl eligible, I think three years straight after they were really just down in the dumps um, for most of the past decade. I just think it's really commendable. I think he's an outstanding coach. I think that once he, you know, has a chance to get some of his players and kind of get things turned around at Michigan State. They're going to be a solid program because they've got good infrastructure. They're a, a good program that's found success in the past. Um, and I think he's a really good coach, so I would not be surprised to see him have a lot of success there in East Lansing. On the other hand, this is just, it's incredibly tough for Oregon State fans. Um, you know, they already have an unclear future with the Pac-12 um, dying the the conference realignment. They don't really have a, a conference going forward other than the Pac-2 with them in Washington State. Um, and then now just having Jonathan Smith, your former quarterback for Oregon State, a really good quarterback in his college years at his alma mater, having him leave for another job just for, for more money and more stability, that really hurts. Um, you know, and now you have players who are openly talking about what they will do on social media and kind of just trying to figure out where their future lies. And it's, it's getting pretty clear that that team is going to get ravaged by the transfer portal once it opens up. And a lot of players are going to go try and find better spots elsewhere. Um, it's just tough, man. I know that this, this rivalry between Oregon and Oregon state, there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of, I guess you'd call it bad blood. It, it feels, I don't know that it's bad blood, but it's it's just a, a good classic rivalry. You know, these teams don't like each other. The fans don't like each other, even though most of the fans are probably related. You know, other, it's funny that this game's always played on Thanksgiving or around Thanksgiving because you probably have a lot of those fans meeting to, to eat their meals on Thursday night. And then the game's either on Friday or Saturday, and they're probably trying to find ways that they don't have to watch the game together. But um, it's just, I, I've, spent the last you know day or so feeling i don't i don't want to say feeling pity for oregon state because that, that sounds uh you know i just i don't know if that's how i would call it but um it's just a, a really crappy situation for them i i feel bad for them it's not fun oregon fans have been there before having a coach leave for a different spot and that in itself is not fun but when you stack that on top of um, everything else that's happening for Oregon State, it's it's really tough. And I know that Oregon fans call Oregon State their little brother, but you know, even as a big brother, you don't ever want to see your little brother get beat up or you know get in a fight that they're losing and and get picked on. And that's kind of how it feels for Oregon State right now. Um, their things are not going very well up in Corvallis, and it's pretty unclear what their future is going to hold. So um, I I don't know. I'm I'm hoping that things get a little bit better for them. Throughout all of this, though, I did see, um, comically so, I saw some mentions that uh, Oregon defensive coordinator Tosh Lapoy would be a good candidate for Oregon's head state or Oregon State's head coaching job. Uh, let's go ahead and stop right now before that goes a little bit too further. That's that's not happening at all. As Oregon fans, you do not need to worry about that at all. Um, Tosh Lapoy is in a great situation at Oregon. He knows that he can have, you know, a much better job in the future. You know, a job where he knows what conference he's in. 
where he knows what his schedule is next year, where he knows that his roster isn't going to be completely decimated by the transfer portal. Um, you know, in a, another year or two coaching at this level at Oregon, I think he can have some, some pretty good power five jobs if he wants them. So I just want to, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because that's, that notion is kind of insane to me. There's, I just like to say there's zero chance that the Tosh Lapoy leaves Oregon to take the Oregon state job. And if he does, and if I end up eating my words in a few weeks, I, I may need to reconsider professions because that I just feel like that's absolutely not going to happen. Um, you can, you can hold me to it if I, um, you know, if I end up being wrong, but I feel very strongly about that. Okay. Let's talk about the Pac-12 title game. Um, let's just congratulations to all of us, man. This is the game that everyone wanted since the afternoon of October 14th. Um, I am just incredibly thankful that we got here. And I know that a lot of college football fans, a lot of Oregon fans are very happy that we get to see this rematch. I don't know the Washington fans are too happy that they get to see this rematch because it feels like um, they've been kind of hoping that it'd be someone other than the Ducks because I think that they, deep down, though they probably wouldn't admit it, probably know that, hey, Oregon is, you know, Oregon's a lot better than than we think they are. They're probably playing better than they are. They're probably playing the best football right now that they have all season. Um, and I think Washington fans probably know that they got a little bit lucky in getting that win up in Seattle. Um, but it, it should be a very, very fun matchup, an incredible game. Oregon right now is favored by seven and a half points early on. Um, as I record this, Washington is playing Washington State. That game's in the first quarter. It's tied. So it's kind of unclear what the, the injury situation will be. It will, hopefully everyone will stay healthy and there won't be any problems. But um, I think you feel pretty good about this as a Duck fan. Um, I'm not personally not comfortable laying the seven and a half points yet. Um, that hook is a little bit scary. If you don't know what the hook is, um, it's the the half point in the gambling spread. So um, seven and a half points. That means that Oregon's favored to win by a touch. They have to win by eight points to cover. Um, you know, typically you win by seven points, not eight points, just by the way that the football scoring works. So the, that half point is called the hook. So um, that makes me a little bit nervous just because you, you usually see them win by seven, not by eight. So, um, but I do think the Oregon money line, just the Oregon's chances to win this game outright, I think that looks pretty good. Um, you know, I, I feel confident that this Ducks team is playing their best football. And I think that they match up really well on offense against Washington's defense. And I think that their defense is really solid. Um, we talked a little bit about injuries. Um, you don't like that Julio Florence is hurt and probably going to miss this game. But in his stead, Dante Manning played really well yesterday. He had a, an interception last night against Oregon State. He's playing some really good football right now. So I I feel confident that Oregon's defense is going to be up to the task. They've seen this team before. They've spent the past couple of months now, you know, just, just really hoping they can get back to this game and get back to this stage and play against this Washington team again and, and avenge that only loss of the year. So um, I think the Duck fans should feel confident. I think they're happy to be going to Vegas and be getting this rematch because that's a lot on the line, but I think they've got a good chance to get it real quick before we wrap up. I just want to go through a, a bit of a college football playoff update. There are still, you know, a ton of games being played and still to be played as I record again, it's, it's not even 2 PM on, on Saturday. So 
Um, so far, there haven't been any major upsets. Texas won last night. Um, I expect Alabama to win. I expect Georgia to win. Ohio State lost to Michigan in the big game, so the Big Ten race is pretty clear right now. Michigan is going to the Big Ten championship. They're likely going to beat Iowa and get into the playoff. Um, so that breaks down to, you know, unless you have some craziness where Alabama beats Georgia, which is something I could see happening, but I don't necessarily expect to happen just because Georgia's playing some really great football right now. Um, it's setting up so it it does seem like the winner of the Pac-12 will get into the playoff, whether that's Oregon or Washington. I think both have um, strong enough resumes, Washington especially. I mean, if Washington goes undefeated and wins the Pac-12 title game, they're a shoo-in. I mean, they could, you could argue that they're, uh, I mean, they would definitely be the three seed. You could argue they'd even be the two seed because that's just a, a really impressive resume at that point. But even with one loss, if Oregon wins the Pac-12 title game and avenges their one loss against Washington, I think that's a strong enough case to get in. You could argue what happens if Alabama wins, um, what happens if Florida State goes undefeated, all this stuff. But I think if that happens, if Oregon takes care of business, they're in a really good spot. So we'll see how everything plays out on Saturday. There's a chance for some some chaos. If you're a Duck fan, you're definitely hoping for hoping for chaos. As long as it doesn't come at the expense of Washington, as tough as that is to say, Oregon fans definitely need Washington to beat Washington State and have them undefeated in the Pac-12 title game because that's going to strengthen their resume if they win the Pac-12 title game. So that's what you're hoping for right now. But, um, you know, still a lot of games to be played. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Um, My plan is to be back on, like usual, probably on Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, you know, I, I probably will release it Wednesday cause I want to get a look at those college football playoff rankings, um, in case something changes because, um, you got to expect that Washington, if they win today is going to move up, Oregon will move up just because, um, Ohio state lost and will probably move down, but it'll be interesting to see if Ohio state becomes the top ranked one loss team, or if they go behind Oregon, cause you could argue they've got a, a better resume than Oregon, but, I test wise, Oregon looks like the far better team. I think on a neutral field, those teams, Oregon would definitely be favored between the two. So that'll be really interesting to see. Um, I'm working to get a guest on this week to kind of preview the Pac-12 title game. We'll see what's um, what's able to happen with that. But it should be a fun week, a lot of good coverage. Um, I'll be down in Vegas for that game. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you guys for listening and following along. If you want to check out more of my work, you can find it all at duckswire.usatoday.com. Follow me at Zachary C. Neal on Twitter. I will talk to you guys later this week. Until then, take it easy.